Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Since it is All-Star Weekend, we are going to dissect and rebuild our own versions of the NHL All-Star Game. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by Nick Zararis. How are you, Nick? I'm very good. This is a fun weekend. This is a weekend only for people like us who are going to watch the All-Star game. Most normal people will not even bother with the skills contest or the game this weekend. This is a weekend to go do things on Saturday and Sunday. The Super Bowl is the following weekend. The NHL has this entire weekend to itself, which presents a real opportunity. But again, we're kind of in this weird spot where the All-Star game is only for the diehard fans, which kind of defeats the purpose of an All-Star game. Yes, absolutely. So we are going to talk about that today. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames because you'll get to know all of this fun, you know, fun scope of things. And of course, once the Flames go back to doing Flames things, We'll be dissecting that and analyzing that as well. So you make an interesting point that, you know, immediately my brain jumps to the home run derby. I don't care about the actual MLB All-Star game. I am there to watch these grown men. Hit diggers. Yeah, like that's it. And I quite honestly don't care about the three-on-three All-Star game for the NHL. So let's start with the abstract. The entire idea of all-star games comes from back in the day when there were not national televised games. Every team was not on TV every single night. These are very different times now. The entire point of the all-star game originally was so everybody could see the one best player on every team once a season. Because for the most part, we're talking a long time ago, 50s, 60s. The modern all-star game, as we know, it doesn't really start until the 80s where television's a little more ubiquitous. All of these leagues have major television deals. Some of them are playing these games on like tape delay, but most of them are affiliated with a network and have their all-star game on TV somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. In today's day and age, we're instant now. Even if you don't have access to cable, you can see the major highlights. You can see the highlights to any game in any of the four major sports leagues with three clicks. You go on YouTube, each league puts up the highlights from the game. You can see the individual crazy plays on Twitter with the reactions. So it's really hard from an abstract concept of what audience the All-Star game actually serves beyond the diehard fans. Because the diehard fan is who this stuff is tailored for. These are the people who are going to buy the vacation packages so they can meet the players, they can go to the events themselves. That's what this is really about. The yeah. people who are able to go to the game itself. This doesn't... The, the All-Star game and the, the skills contest and stuff, it doesn't really lend itself well to television because of how we consume sports now. Yeah, that's, you know, that's actually, I didn't realize that was the history of the All-Star game. I mean, I yeah. figured it was truly just a capitalistic, you know, thing where, okay, come spend your money, come see good players um, that you can see every night. But then, you know, you do have to go further back before our time and think about, you know, not everyone had access to TV. Some of these games weren't televised. A lot of them weren't. So, you know, you just had your radio broadcast, if that. So, 
you know, it does put kind of like a name to a face sort of deal or face to a name when you're thinking about it from back then. But it is very interesting to, you know, see how pe- how far people travel for this thing. It's an uh, it's a vacation for yeah. for the, for the diehard hockey fan. It's a great opportunity, especially in markets like Florida where they're really trying to push the game. They yeah. had a lot of players available just for meet and greets for free yesterday in Florida during the media availability. Wow! Like I don't know if you saw the picture or not of Matthew Kachuk autographing a dog, but like yeah, that, oh. it was free. It was very. It's an easy opportunity to organically grow the game. Of oh, I met this person. Okay, now I'm going to follow along and see what happens when the season starts back up next week. It's a very um, old-fashioned, like sh- boots on the ground style of organically growing something. Grassroots style of just hey, okay, I was able to meet this person. That's awesome. And now I'm even if I'm not a Panthers fan, at least I know this guy is interesting enough and was nice enough to take time out of his day to do this. So maybe I will watch. A Panthers game once in a while. Maybe I will go to a Panthers game. That's that's really what this that's what the All Star game should be about is trying to tap into the untapped into audience because they are the NHL already knows the people like us are going to watch. They they don't have to put in any effort to the All Star game to get the real the diehard hockey fans to watch. The casual fan is their issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, it is a really good point. You know, if you get to go meet someone for free, of course, you're probably you're absolutely more likely to show your support to them and be more interested in whatever they're doing. Like, I know for the most part, most meet and greets, even outside of All-Star Games, like if you if a store like a sports store hosts one, you have to pay like a 100 bucks just to. Yeah, just to get something signed and then you have to pay for the signed item individually. So you're spending a couple hundred bucks there and that's not for casual fans. And, you know, being able to have Matthew Kachuk, who is arguably one of the biggest personalities and talents in the league, go out there and do some presidential campaigning, if you will, uh, for the league. I think that that's great. And I can't imagine that, um, you know, this won't see a growth. Like, you, you'll you absolutely get some return on investment here, especially in a market like South Florida. And I remember just a few years ago, you know, I would tune in to watch a random uh, Bruins-Panthers game in the middle of winter, and there would be, like, no, no crowd, not in the lower bowl. But you tune in now and there's something there. So that speaks for itself and their recent success. So it's great to see for them, but also from a league standpoint. For sure. And one other part of this I did want to bring up is all four of the major North American sports are going through this with their All-Star game right now. The NFL has tried to reinvent the Pro Bowl a handful of times. They're doing flag football this year. They're just trying to get something. The NBA has tinkered with the format where they do a draft now like the NHL used to do, and then they play to a certain number as opposed to a time limit game. They do something like that. 
MLB went from doing the the game matters, the winning league gets home field in the World Series, to back to now where it's just for fun. All of these leagues are grappling with this new all-star game landscape because it's uncharted waters. Every league is still trying to figure out exactly what the all-star game is supposed to be. Now that everybody has access to everything now, now that you can watch highlights for free every day, I know what Jason Robertson's game looks like. I know what Jack Hughes' game looks like. If I am that invested, it's very easy to find. And it's a matter of finding a way to get convert the casual fan who sees a highlight into a fan who's going to actually watch the All-Star game. So it's not just an NHL problem. I know we all like to rag on the NHL and Gary and the league's issues, but it's not just an NHL problem. The other three North American leagues have this issue with the All-Star game as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even I believe it was yesterday that list from someone came out on Twitter about how the NHL is like its own worst enemy when it comes to marketing. We we know this. We've been over this a million times. Like there's no point in beating a dead horse with it. But, you know, it is important to know that this isn't just an NHL problem, which um, feels very great to, to talk about, because I feel like sometimes this league can be an outsider in terms of you know, how large their demographic is and their fan base and how, you know, a lot of times fans do get priced out from games. Um, But, you know, I I don't think Calgary has to worry about that because I was looking at uh, a game for next month and tickets started at $23 Canadian. Must be nice. That sounds nice. Yeah, no. It's a real market-to-market thing. Because different teams market their team in different ways. Some people are... Some teams choose to actively market the team as part of the community. They want everybody to be able to have access to it so the tickets are more reasonable and it fosters a different type of energy. Whereas you go to other markets and it's more of like a good or a luxury brand where you're affiliated with certain other companies and you have certain other corporate entities tied to it. So the price point is a lot higher because of who those teams are targeting as their demographic versus what the some of the other teams are choosing to do which is more of a community-based approach to who they're targeting for their audience because that that, at the end of the day sports are entertainment you got to think about your target audience and who how you're trying to get them in the door that's a very fair point and we're going to talk more about the audience itself coming up next but i did want to tell you about another very exciting venture that uh, Locked On is dipping their toes into, and that is our new sports betting partner, no, FanDuel. There we go. (laughs) And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. And it is, you know, you don't always have to be too far into it to the point where you're over your head trying to figure out things. Just will this person score a goal? Will this person make 20 saves? You know, just something fun that you actually can watch for in a game. That way you aren't just bored out of your mind in case your team is miserably losing or you're blowing the other team out of the water. So for FanDuel, you can download the app today. And you can bet on Super Bowl 57, which is next weekend, with a no-sweat first bet, and you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That seems like a very fair deal. Nick, are you betting on the Super Bowl? 
Yes. Uh, I haven't gotten into the lab yet and started looking at all the props because the props are where I have fun. Because I... The game props, and I mean game pro like player props, like receptions, yards, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Not like the color of the Gatorade or the national anthem <laughs> length or how long the first commercial is. That stuff is, it's entertaining. It's it's good water cooler conversation, but I'm here to try and make a little bit of money. So I will be looking into targets per game, average receptions, what team is good at defending what, that kind of thing. The Super Bowl is a great opportunity. Uh, last year did okay. The year before, the Buccaneers-Chiefs one, I got killed. That was one of the worst gambling days of my entire life. But last year, we did okay. This year, I think I think we'll do all right, but we got to get in the lab. Travis Kelsey yes. receptions feels like the first slam dunk I'm definitely going to have, though. So, if you are interested in any of that, head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57, and that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right. As I am scrolling through our plan for today, I think it's interesting because, you know, South Florida – South Florida has a lot of snowbirds, a lot of people from, you know, the Northeast, our neck of the woods down there. Those are old people that can afford to do that. Do you think that, you know, maybe moving the all-star break to later in the season? I mean, even though it is kind of like a halfway point, to sometime around like a spring break in March would be beneficial because of, um, you know, it's right before the playoffs. It's an interesting idea in some respects, but at the same time, you want to have a little bit of a buffer between the all-star break and the trade deadline. Cause mm. this is typically, this is typically where we actually start to see movement happen. And if you were to do the all-star break a little bit later, it would mess with that. The, the point, and one of the things that we can talk about in this segment here is cause we're talking about more of the logistics and the technicalities of it is you got to have an appeal. You got to get the players to have buy-in to want to go. Yeah. You need to have the all-star game in good locations. You got to have it in places you're going to get guys to want to go. Um, the NFL used to do the Pro Bowl in Hawaii every year. Yes. And that was that was enough of a draw that, okay, so four-day four weekend in Hawaii, the league pays for it, that's fine. I get to bring my wife, my kids, my girlfriend, whatever. That's a good, that's a really good draw. And then the NFL moved it to Central Florida. They moved it to Orlando. And a lot of players were like, hmm. That's not really worth four days of my time. I'm going to be sick, like how Ovechkin has done yes. more than once, where Ovechkin goes, I'm not going. I'll take the one-game suspension. I'm going away with my wife for a few days. And that's part of the issue here. you got to get the players to want to go. I think there, South Florida has a draw. Most mm -hmm. of the league is based in cold climates. It is the dead of winter. It is 15 degrees in the New York City suburbs where I am right now. It is 10 degrees the further up you go. It is absolutely brutal. You get it's a lot of guys to South right here. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting these guys who play in these frigid climates somewhere warm, that's a draw. You can do things like Vegas. You can do things like L.A., but... It, 
though they all have their drawbacks because part of the all-star game is you want to reward franchises getting to host the all-star game is a reward it's extra revenue and the league is saying we think you guys are doing a good job we want to highlight the work your franchise is doing Mm -hmm. florida has gotten a couple of drafts florida has gotten i believe they had an all-star game i want to say last decade at some point but part of it is rooted in you want to reward your franchises for doing a good job the panthers team in a non-traditional market an owner that is spending to the salary cap and trying to win they went really aggressive at the deadline last year as part of that that is a good way to use the all-star game in the draft as rewards if you are doing a good job of running your team you get this extra weekend of revenue that nobody else in the league does yeah and you know i i'm pretty sure that i read something last season that even just like a weekend home game for the Blackhawks was an additional $2 million. So, and I mean, that's... That's not to sneeze at. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, be upset if I had an extra $2 million. So it's interesting to see like how much, um, you know, an all-star game brings in. All-star weekend and uh, especially for local businesses and... You know the economy and what it does i think that it's uh very interesting and kind of something bigger to look at and i it's they recently just had like some college games in lake placid and yeah. all of the local businesses were like this is fantastic for us it's the dead of winter people want to be here they want to go support you know colleges and you know this team and that team even though it's freezing and it's great and you know obviously it, that's a lot different from something major like the NHL or NFL All-Star and Pro Bowls, but it you see a difference. Yeah, and there is – the NHL's goal for this weekend should be trying to use this as a vehicle for growing the game in some respect. This is a good way to grow the game in a specific market in South Florida that doesn't have a long tradition of hockey. That franchise is less than 30 years old. There's a real opportunity there to say, okay, this team has been good for several years in a row now. They were a bona fide Stanley Cup contender last year. They won the President's Trophy. All-Star game, we can put the NHL's resources into this market, tap into, grow a little bit more, grow a little bit more organically, and try to try to grow the game in a way. Because right now, and we know, we, and I, there, a lot of people wrote about this. I read Sean's write up in the Athletic. I read something on Defector yesterday about how the NHL's TV uh, ratings being down doesn't. It doesn't really affect anybody other than the people selling ads. That's really all this that affects. It doesn't affect us as fans, as media people. It doesn't. But the NHL does need to find ways to grow the game organically and try and find more casual fans because that's the biggest issue. Hockey is a diehard fan sport. There aren't a lot of casual hockey fans. It takes a lot to be emotionally invested in hockey. It is not for the faint of heart, which is part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, like you can turn on a baseball game and, you know, it's summer. You're just relaxing. It's a nice night. Well, it's, it's background like, noise. Exactly. I- Especially like I watch obviously like a lot of Yankees games begrudgingly and it's so fun just watching like Garrett Cole go out there and work his magic or you know with Aaron Judge's um home run race last year like that isn't something that you need to be a diehard market-based fan for because you're you're rooting for this guy or against 
to break a record or not. And it's just like, I feel like in hockey, you don't have that. Yeah, you have OV chasing um, Gretzky and whatnot, but like, it doesn't feel like there's something there. It doesn't feel like that big of a deal nationally. Yeah. That's the thing. It doesn't feel like that big of a deal. And part of that is just that hockey is more of a Canadian sport than an American sport. The American, I mean, remember, ESPN has the rights to the NHL for the first time in like 20 years, the last two years. Before yeah. that, the NHL was getting maybe five minutes of Sports Center every day. And if that, not on the Talking Head shows, not on any of the nationally syndicated radio programs. The major sports networks aren't invested in the NHL in the States, really. And that's part of the issue. There is no casual way to put it on. And granted, you can talk a lot about the streaming, and that's part of this, too. It's just harder to find things. That can be part of why. There is no vested interest. And part of it is they've given ESPN more games this year. So the more games you have, the lower you're going to have a lower audience overall because you're going to divide the number of games. It, there's a lot of situational reasons that go into this. It's not just one, two, three. It's a million different reasons that all compound into lower TV ratings. But as far as the All-Star Game, before we move on to the last segment, where we try and pitch a, a, a really layman's attempt at fixing the All-Star Game here, <laughs> there is a useful way f for the All-Star Game to be the, more than just for the people who are tweeting 19 times in the three hours of a hockey game, which is who this is geared for. This is who it's for people like us. If you're listening to this show more often than not, you're probably going to watch the skills contest or the all-star game itself because you are the target audience. Right. And I, I do love me a good skills competition. And, you know, I think of last year and how, fun that was like yeah all like all of the players coming out in you know different costumes that was yeah. that was so much fun and then you have the trevor zegers and jack hughes thing like that to me is something that we will probably revisit and something i will probably share with my children someday because like hey look at how cool this sport once was and yeah you know we're gonna come up with some pitches next and hopefully <laughs> Hopefully someone buys into them and compensates us for our ideas. And thank you everyone for hanging out with us today on this bitter cold Friday or relatively warm Friday, wherever you may be. Uh, make sure you're sticking around because Monday, I believe, is going to be the 500th episode. So you'll have to hang out and see what we're cooking. I think you need to have a real rotating group of cities. You need to have cities that you can get your best players they want to go to. Mm -hmm. That's going to rule out a lot of places. That probably isn't going to fly with most owners because they would like the revolving door of everybody gets a turn, everybody gets that extra weekend of revenue, and they go from there. You need to have a draw because you need to get these guys to want to come. You need your best players to go to the All-Star game because it is an all-star game. You want your best players, your most marketable, your most identifiable. That's number one. You need to have a nice rotation of eight cities or so that can host this event that have good logistics for both the players and for the visiting spectators. Because part of this problem is a lot of American cities do not have great infrastructure. 
It is not easy to get from the events to the game itself to where you're staying. That's a problem I know this weekend in Florida because that's not really even a city. That's a suburb, Sunrise, Florida. There isn't a lot of access to public transportation, which makes these types of events more convenient. It's a real sticking point for hosting these types of events. It's why only major cities host the Olympics, the World Cup, or the cities that are going to host it sink significant money into developing infrastructure for people to be able to get from point A to point B safely. That's a real major part of this. You need a solid bank of cities to host the game to pick from. That's number one. Number two, whether you want to stick with the three-on-three or go back to five-on-five, that I don't think particularly matters as much. If you do five-on-five, you can get more players. I don't think that really matters. I think this weekend needs to be about highlighting everybody. So first thing, I need every single player in the game mic'd up. I need every single player in the game mic'd up, and I need an alternate feed with that. You can have it on the five-second delay to hit the magic button. That's fine. It happens. People will be hitting the shin with pucks and sticks. There is swearing in hockey. We have television partners. We invented the five-second delay for a reason. We understand that. But number one, we need this to be fun. Everybody needs to be mic'd up, and I need to hear everybody talking to each other. Yeah. No, I think the mic'd up option is the best option because, again, I keep going back to baseball. Even though people say baseball is a boring sport, one of the most fun things is listening to, like, the outfielders mic'd up talking to the broadcasters during spring training games. And I would love to see something where, you know, like you said, that feed or if you do have, like, a broadcaster or a player just being, you know, some sort of conversation going and – because for me, and I think a lot of other people during the bubble or there when there were no fans there, um, getting to hear the, the sounds of hockey and like the aesthetically pleasing ones, like the puck hitting and whatever, the ice. And um, but you hear the players, you hear yeah. them talking to each other, you hear them swearing. You, we shouldn't, but we do. And I think that just adds like this layer of excitement to the game i think that we need something to spice it up in you know we we complain about not seeing these players personality but when else are you going to see an athlete like in their truest form other than when they're on the ice and it makes more sense to do it during an all-star game versus you know i almost said a world series game (laughs) no a stanley cup game because there's no pressure. There's no pressure. It's for fun. They're, most of these guys are all friends, even if they're not on the same team. Like, they all mingle. They all have the same, you know, common interests of eating, sleeping, working out, and hockey. So it's very easy for them to get along. And I just, I think that, especially, like, a Brad Marchand or even, like, Pasternak, like, just to get them going and hearing them talk back and forth and, uh, like, Matthew Kachuk, you're telling me that you wouldn't get prime entertainment out of him? I think All that- you would get is chewing noises, because he'd be <laughs> chewing on his mouthpiece no. the entire game. That's all you would get is chewing noises. It would sound like a baby teething. That is also true, so maybe we just cut his mic. We, we limit him. But I think it would just be, you know, or even the benches. Having the benches, yeah. mic the refs, and just something to add an extra layer to the game that you don't get consistently and something that you have to look forward to. And a good thing you can do with the all-star game and baseball does this with like the minor leagues where they test new ideas. 
Get funny with it. Try different things. Use new camera angles. Have a straight drop-down angle from underneath the scoreboard so you get the perspective of the entire ice. Try something like that. Try the referee's helmet feed. I know they have access to that because the referees have the cameras. Try integrating that into the broadcast. Mic up the benches, as you said. Let me hear the color of the game. Let me feel... Uh, let me feel a little bit more part of the experience watching at home. As you said, when you go to a game that's a little bit empty and you can hear everything, that adds a level of immersion to it. It makes you feel mm -hmm. like you're in the game. Another thing I would like to see as part of this, we need to get a easier way for average fans to be able to identify where the puck is. Bring back the glow puck. That, yes, please. We have it. We have 20 years better of technology from when Fox originally introduced it. They were able to make Robert De Niro look 40 years old in The Irishman. You're telling me we haven't done a better job with lighting up the puck so average people know where to look? That is one of the most common com comments I get when I watch a game with my friends who aren't really hockey fans. Oh, yeah. How do you know where to look? I know where to look because I am deranged and I have watched 500,000 hours of hockey in my life. The yeah. average person is just frantically following the puck with their eyes, not being mindful of the positioning of the play going on, which is where the play is actually developing. That's where the plays happen in hockey, where the puck isn't. The average fan doesn't know that. You need to make it easier to identify where the puck is. I understand we've sold a lot of digital ad space. The digital ad boards are very distracting. It is hard to follow the play if you don't know where to look. You've got lights changing in the background of the play when you're trying to follow the puck. You've got players and the puck disappearing into the digital ads because the colors match up. There are a lot of little things you can integrate into that using the All-Star game as your testing ground for things that you might be able to put into the regular game. Try bigger nets. Try smaller nets. Try two-point goals from if you shoot from a certain distance away. Make the All-Star game hokey. Make it fun. It is supposed to be a fun experience that it's not serious. And that's part of why we've had an issue getting buy-in because none of the guys take it seriously. Okay, lean into that. Make it extremely silly. Right. Let the guys pick their own teams. Let them pick who they want to play with. Let them do stuff. Let the goalies play out of the net. That should be something oh, we yeah. have in the skills contest. We should have goalie shooting as part of this. Who's the best goal-scoring goalie in the league? I would like to know. That is something we should have in the skills contest. Like back when they used to do the fastest skater and they did the relays where you would have a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. Yeah. I need, you got to make it hokey. All-star games are supposed to be silly and fun. Yeah. Make it like Wii Sports. Yes. Just something ridiculous. Like I would love to see like Matthew Kachuk like wakeboarding and then like <laughs> drop into the game. Like, just be ridiculous. It's okay to have fun. And I think that that's something the NHL does need to lean into because it does feel like it is a very corporate feeling atmosphere for yeah. everything. And it doesn't need to be. It's okay if we're you going to, like, want people to be betting and paying attention to, you know, how many shots per game whoever takes. Okay. Great. Lean into that. If this player gets 10 shots during the All-Star game, they get slimed. I don't know. Something stupid and fun. 
Oh, exactly, exactly. This is supposed to be silly. Let every single player pick entrance music and skate out to their own entrance music and get introduced individually. Make this a fun time for these guys that it becomes part of the experience. You go for, you go in and you get your own entrance music and you get to go, you get interviewed right before you go out to the ice. Make this fun. Like, I still think about when the All-Star Game was in LA a couple years ago and Snoop was playing the unedited music and everybody was like, oh, that's the F word. That That's the F word and everybody's giggling to themselves on the ice because that's funny it's supposed to be fun it's an all-star game right and when you have those big personalities behind the mic like when they brought in Snoop Dogg or when John Hamm was doing the Stanley Cup stuff yeah to me that's fun because that's not your typical NHL fan that you see every day and you hear from every day so I would love to see I don't know the list of celebrities that they brought in this year don't know who they are. I feel incredibly old, but maybe you bring in, you know, not one of the Paul brothers, but someone who has a large personality like them and put them behind the mic. You know, apparently they have that TikTok influencer kid, but, um, you know, just, Yes, a host of All-Star Weekend is a good marketing idea. You have somebody who's emceeing the event, who pops in for two minutes in between, like hosting an award show, between people getting their awards presented, you do something like that. A skill event I have wanted to see forever is something similar to curling, but with hockey, where you have to try and shoot from a distance away and you're trying to get it to land as close to the middle as possible without going through the entire bullseye. A little bit more centered around finesse and accuracy as opposed to raw power. Hardest Shot is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be cool. Why is Hardest Shot not the home run derby of hockey? Why do we not have like a, oh, I won this year. Let's see if you can retain your title again this year. Like the way the home run derby is. Where even if you're not an all-star, you get invited back to come defend your title. Right. And there should be, I'm sorry, the fan voted nonsense where they just (laughs) disregarded every Twitter campaign is so ridiculous. Like I understand if one guy is like, hey, like, Unfortunately, like, I'm just, like, not going to be able to make it, whatever. Like, I, I'm, I'm declining to go. Great. You have your backup. But can we actually do a fan vote? And please. But see, that would that would be fun. They don't want John Scott in the All-Star game again. They don't want everybody voting for Ryan Reeves. They don't want everybody voting for... Well, Brett Ritchie should be an all-star. They they don't want everybody voting for Brett Ritchie. That's part of it. The NHL doesn't want people to have fun with this, and that's why we are suggesting that we lean into the bit. Let the fans, who are the ones who watch 70 games a year and then the playoffs and watch games that their teams aren't in, let them feel like part of this because you you don't tailor your experience to them. And like we said, the NHL knows no matter what we're going to watch. So they don't design the experience for us. They design the experience like 12 people in a corporate suite being like, what do kids like? TikTok. Okay, who can we get from TikTok? Okay, we can book this person for this weekend. Instead of taking an organic, holistic approach to making this actually a viable event for both hardcore fans and casual fans. It's very it's very manufactured. There's not a lot that feels organic about this weekend. 
Yeah, and I think that's, you know, really what this league is missing. Um, if someone does pass this along to the NHL, please uh, have them contact our lawyers, which we very clearly have here at Lockdown Flames, um, so we can pitch them this, you know, in a more thorough, in-depth idea, you know, presentation, because I think they need they need something new. They need those fresh minds, the new blood. They need something to really get people involved and invested. And this is, this is perfect. Hey man, the only people who are thinking about this are the fellow hockey diehards. There are not, there's not a normal person who watches like 10 hockey games a year. Who's like, I wonder how they're going to fix the all-star game. No, it's only us because we're the only people who watch. So we're trying. Right, exactly. And you know what? It's kind of like the people who are like, my child is fine when their child is very clearly not fine. That's the NHL with the NHL all-star game. That's they're fine. That's a good way to put it. I don't know how else to normally put it other than with the internet references. So sorry, everyone. Yeah. But I think that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, Nick, where can everyone find you? So, uh, Twitter, at Nick Zararis, uh, Nick, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. You can find my link tree on there. All my other work is on my link tree. Um, yeah, uh, enjoy the All-Star game this weekend. If you do so choose to watch, um, I'll be watching. I, not much else to do on Saturday night, so I'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, and remember to subscribe to Locked on Flames. You can follow the show's Twitter page podcast account uh podcast twitter account at lo underscore flames pod find locked on flames wherever you get your podcasts and of course you can follow me on twitter at just balmosto thank you everyone stay warm stay safe and enjoy the all-star game if you are watching i don't know what else you'd be watching this weekend anyways